So when someone we love is crying, very most important thing that we do is nothing other than hold space, be present, and stay energetically connected to the person. Uh, that is the greatest gift we can give a person is just to be present with them right where they are in their sadness. We don't have to fix it. We don't have to think of a magical thing to say so they don't feel it. Sadness is a sacred place. Hey friends, producer Mackenzie here. Today for a special bonus episode of the Living Centered Podcast, we're giving you a glimpse into the first of a brand new digital offering from OnSite, online emotional wellness classes. Our debut class, The Ways We Grieve, Understanding the Emotional and Biological Process that Binds Us All, is taught by on-site clinician and licensed social worker, Cindy Westcott. You may remember Cindy from episode two of the podcast, Living Centered in the Face of Trauma. This seven-part video series will help you normalize your experience with grief, give you insight as to how we grieve, and invite you into a place of hope, peace, and wisdom. This bonus episode of the podcast is a sneak peek directly from Cindy's teaching, and we hope it gives you insight into the approachable and accessible application these new classes will offer. If you're interested in learning more about this brand new class from OnSite after this episode, be sure to head over to onsiteworkshops.com slash classes and use the code podcast at checkout for $20 off your order. From my perspective, grief is an automatic, cellular, organic, natural process that occurs in the human mind and body in response to loss. So it involves emotions, it involves a physical process, a biological process. We are born essentially with a full capacity and ability to grieve. Uh, the phrase I like to use is the body knows the way. But sometimes we tend to make grief more difficult than it has to be because it's more about learning how to allow grief than it is understanding all the facts about it and driving yourself through it. Uh, it's more about allowing grief to take you to healing because it will. Um, the most important piece is that we know how to support ourselves. And there are certain principles about grief that if we understand them, we'll know how to allow that process to happen most effectively. There are certain things we can expect with grief. There are certain things we can plan for and therefore support ourselves. But I need to also say that grief is extremely unique and personal. So there's certain things that everybody experiences with grief and everybody can benefit from knowing about grief and the grief process. But again, just to honor that grief is a sacred process. And what I encourage people to do is to listen. The body tells the truth. And we live in a culture that um, fears feelings for a lot of different reasons, and that's one of the main reasons why grief is so difficult for people. We're not born afraid to feel. We're not born afraid to grieve. But we begin to fear our different feelings that occur in response to grief from usually well-meaning people that are trying to comfort us or reassure us, oh, honey, it's only a dog, we'll get you another one. Uh, oh, don't cry, don't feel bad, it's going to be okay. All kinds of messages that say, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel. And the grief process is really a series of feelings. And again, we don't have to know what they are. We have to allow them to emerge from within. Just as breaking a bone is going to have different 
levels of processes in the body. We know nothing about how to heal a broken bone, but the body does know. So we set the bone, we support the bone, and we wait. And so there's a process happening in the body that's already in there. Most of us have no idea what that process is or what order it goes in, but nonetheless, we're confident that it's going to heal that bone. Throughout human history, of course, humans have been experiencing loss of every and any kind um, from day one. And various cultures have different ways of grieving. It's very interesting, as a matter of fact, to do some research and some reading, which I've done a little of, about other cultures and what seems to work for other cultures. And universally, the thing that seems really important in every culture are the rituals and ceremonies and group acknowledgement of a loss and a life and that validation and that stopping to honor that life is a huge thing that's important for almost all humans. The people that have have experienced that loss of that close person, having that support around them and that holding uh, energy of, you know, people do care about my loss and they care about the person that I've lost. Um, That seems to be universal. Other cultures um, actually will, some will hire people as mourners. Those are people that will express the depth of the pain and the hurt and the loss as extremely as probably all of the people there would like to, but for whatever reason may not feel like they can, that those mourners uh, who are wailing and expressing it from the depths of their souls are kind of doing that as an acknowledgement of everyone's pain who is present. So let's talk about sadness and mourning. What shows up in the eyes of humans when we're moving through this stage is tears. So ask yourself, what do you do when tears show up in your eyes? If you're a young child and tears come to your eyes, you basically make no effort to stop them. You might throw yourself into the floor and weep and wail and cry. We're not afraid to cry when we're young. If we are afraid to cry as adults, it's because of messages that have been given to us about our feelings somehow being dangerous or wrong or embarrassing. So if you think of the first thing you do when tears show up in your eyes, most of us at least have a part of us that says, oh, now don't do this now. Or if we're watching an interview on TV of a celebrity or something and they begin to cry, many times you'll see, cut the cameras, cut the cameras. And we come back to the interview and the person is saying, I'm sorry, I'm I'm really sorry. Um, As if something deeply wrong has just occurred. Rather than, um, you know, the sadness in the morning, and when we do that together as humans, it brings us very close. It allows love. Sadness in mourning about a death really is an example or a telling of how much love there was, how much it meant, how much that person meant. And so tears can be very sacred. Think about what other people generally do when we're feeling sad. Again, well-meaning, but it does interrupt the process. Crying is an organic process. We now even know that the chemical content of tears that we cry with loss are different than the ones we cry when we're peeling onions or when we're laughing hysterically. So those tears are there for a very specific purpose in the biological process of grief. And when I have sadness and mourning, there's a level of acceptance that hasn't been there before. For example, with divorce, when I really get it, 
that it really is over and I'm very, very sad and I've lost something important to me, it's almost a bodily thing that you'll see a person go, they've given in or given way to the reality. And when I see people cry, generally in the back of my mind, I say, this is good. Something good is happening here because I know that sadness is also fluidity and movement. If we breathe through and allow that sadness, we can think of it as a wave because sadness often comes up as a wave. It's very physical. It feels like a tsunami coming up from our stomach many times and we feel it's going to kill me. <laughs> so we try to shove it back down or we're terrified. In fact, if we think of it as a wave and we breathe through that wave and we move through that wave, we can think of it as, and now I'm that much closer to shore and I don't have to feel that particular wave ever again because I felt it. So when someone we love is crying, the very most important thing that we do is nothing other than hold space, be present, and stay energetically connected to the person. Uh, that is the greatest gift we can give a person is just to be present with them right where they are in their sadness. We don't have to fix it. We don't have to think of a magical thing to say so they don't feel it. Sadness is a sacred place where we're fully in touch with the love that we have for a person that we've lost. With grief, uh, it's, it's very normal depending on what our early experiences have been around feelings. Now, we need to realize that a lot of what we're afraid of is simply the feelings. I'm afraid of what it will feel like if I let myself feel, frankly, what I already feel, that I'm spending all this energy and time repressing or running from or denying. I'm afraid if I feel that, it will overwhelm me. It will be too much. I'll go crazy. I'll never stop feeling it. That's what we call the hamster wheel of pain. A good friend of mine once said to me, beautifully, and I actually wrote it down. It was so powerful to me. He said, Cindy, there's two kinds of pain in the world. There's pain that leads to more pain, and there's pain that leads to healing. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this short teaser of The Ways We Grieve, we invite you to check out the full seven-part video series with Cindy at onsiteworkshops.com slash classes. And as a reminder, you can get $20 off when you use the code podcast at the checkout. <laughs>